I'm Lorraine and I'm black. I'm Sarah and I'm Jewish. We're going back to school to learn some basic black and Jewish stuff we should totes already know. Let's get learned up! red lobster he 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 hello uh it's the day after we ate those cheddar biscuits how you feeling lorraine oh my god i ate too many cheddar biscuits yeah i messed up i should i mean did you i think you did it right i know it's just like uh too much of a good thing you know so salty well i don't know about you but I would say, like, within a half hour of having eaten those cheddar biscuits, I started to feel a little funky. I felt, I didn't feel great. I didn't feel great. It was like, and it wasn't even that long after we had eaten. Like, we were pulling out of the parking lot, and I was like, yeah, regret. Yeah, you were like, are your lips, like, tingling? (laughs) I was like, yeah, and I'm, like, sweating a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't feel awesome. Um, But... Would happily return. Would repeat. Absolutely. Five stars. I had, would buy again. I had so much fun at Red Lobster. I did too. Let's get into it. Okay, cool. So, I mean, where should we start? Like, what do we want to talk about? Well, like, this episode is called Red Lobster and Jews and Lobster. <laughs> um, so, let's talk about let's talk about our experience at Red Lobster. We did record while we were there. Um, uh, a lot of it is. Um, boring and unusably bad but a lot of it is okay and we're gonna play some clips yeah absolutely um what are we gonna do are we gonna like queue up are we gonna are we gonna like set up like throw to the clips or sure 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 sure. (laughs) but but i guess before we throw to the clips let's just talk uh, about like sort of our um preconceived notions about red lobster i guess so what i was just gonna say is um like going into the red lobster experience I knew it was a black thing. Like, it's been told to me that, like, liking Red Lobster, going to Red Lobster, like, it's a part of black culture. It's, like, a fixture in black culture. And I wondered why. Um, and I just kind of thought, just because. And I also kind of thought um, that I'd get the answer if I went. Mm. I thought that, It'd like... be, like, written on the back of the menu. Or, like, I thought that, like, being there, I'd be like, oh, that's why. And I actually, I never had that aha moment. It was just, like, confirmation. We walked in, and, like, there were four black women at the host stand, and I was like, okay, like, black people get jobs here. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And seated around, like, most of the tables were black families mm-hmm. or black hangout friends. Yep. Um, so it was like just confirmation that, yeah, it, this is totally a black experience. And this is a big deal, by the way, for people who are listening to this. If you don't live in L.A., like my experience living in L.A., I'm always the only black person anywhere. It's so white. Like yeah. L.A. is just like not a black space at all. Well, and it's like your L.A. is not like where my you LA live and where you hang not. out, you know. And so, yeah, my the way I navigate this city, I walk into a space and I'm ready to like be like the ambassador of black culture. And it was so crazy. Like I walked into Red Lobster and I honestly I felt like I was in a Baltimore restaurant. I just felt like, oh, my God, like this is so not L.A. as I know it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess you don't hang out in Inglewood. Never. Like, period. No. Or I like mean, Compton or like any other centers of black life no, in L.A., really. No. 
I live in Glendale and I now work in Burbank. <laughs> like it's the pretty just, white, pretty white. Although so, there's a lot of there are a lot of Asian communities in Glendale. That's true. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. But like still like not black. Right. Like I'm not like Asian anyway. is not black. Correct. Right. <laughs> right. Um, it's like, yeah, Armenians, Asians. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like it for my experience of mm-hmm. like non-white American stuff. Um, so anyway, so here's some clips. Ta-da, we're here. We're here. Um, is there a lobster emoji? We really need to find out about cheddar, cheddar biscuits because even though... They're right here. Are you fucking kidding me? They brought me? them. I've just, okay. I've, just been, okay. like, I've just been playing like cutesy. Like, I don't... I, I'll have it when I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's do it. Are you ready? Yep. Black kids out. All right. Ready, set. I'm so excited. It's great. I just want to say right off the bat, they're um, different from what I would expect. I thought they would be yeah, like darker were... orange and like hard, yeah. like a hockey puck. Do you want to cheers? Cheers. Cheers. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh Jesus Christ. Oh my god. I understand. They're like dusting up like MSG. They're like, there's, this is a, so much this flavor in my mouth. Delicious. Mm. I can't get over what I'm tasting right now. This is so good. It's so good. This is the best thing I've ever had. Oh my god. I, I wonder if uh, if every Burmester looks the same inside. I also wonder that. But I walked in and immediately felt like I had stepped into another land because I was actually thinking about this earlier this weekend. LA is such a white place. It's like the whitest place I've ever lived. It's just super, super white. So when we walked in, at the host stand, four black women, all there, and like, all like, very fully black, like not trying to be like white passing or whatever, like, just normal ladies. I was, I felt like I was in Maryland. I was like, whoa, I'm not in LA anymore. Yeah, not we're in Inglewood. <laughs> it's also, yeah, it's also where we are geographically. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm definitely in the minority here. Oh yeah, for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this red lobster. Who would have thought? I know. I know. It's weird, yeah. I mean, I'm really surprised. I guess we'll have to, like, learn about this, but I was surprised when you said it was, like, a really black thing. Because, I don't know, like, when I hear hear lobster, I think New England. And again, when I think of New England, I think of white people, you know? Wearing, like, fucking seersucker shorts and, like, boat shoes. But, like, what is the story of red lobster? What about it? Like, calls to black people. Who was like, hey, lobster is a status symbol. This is a thing that white people get to have. We're going to commodify it and mass produce it make and it make accessible. it available. Yeah. So, like, who who did that? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Like, I'm going to get to the bottom of that. Yeah. And then, what's the deal with it being, like, a black thing? Like, who was like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, we love it. <laughs> what do you think it's like to work here? Probably, like, the same as working at, like, 
um, any sort of like chain, you know, like Outback Steakhouse, yeah, or where there's like rules that they like really crack down on because it's like a chain, yeah, and like it's a world, yeah, like they have a philosophy mm-hmm. or they have an experience that they're trying to sell you, yeah. So you're like probably aware of all that stuff, but no one is like that hard on you to do it. Like you probably have a manager who's like constantly reminding you of their policies and stuff, mm-hmm. and you don't have to change the thing. Do you, think, do you think they make you go to, like, these sort of, like, seminars, or, like, not seminars, but, like, just, like, house, okay, like, guys, like, staff meeting, today we're going to talk about um, the three pillars of the Red Lobster service experience. Oh, my God. And the first pillar is, everyone say it with me, attitude. Oh, my God. Right? Oh, my God. Like, don't you think that might be what happens? Yes. Um, I think absolutely for the middle managers, not positive if floor staff has to do those yeah. things. I know for sure they have to do the regular like food and safety workshops mm-hmm. and like the alcohol training. Yeah, this has to stay above like you know forty degrees or whatever. All that stuff they definitely want to do. But as far as like workshops on the brand, yeah, I'm not sure. Oh my god, one time, not one time for like a few months after graduating, I um worked at the Sofitel in D.C. as a cocktail waitress. It was one of the worst jobs I've ever had. Um, I was, like, in constant fear of dropping a, like, tiny tray full of martinis. I think I probably did a couple times. Um, The clientele was just, like, obnoxious. A lot of tourists. But, like, sort of fancy tourists. It's, like, kind of a nice hotel. Mm -hmm. And um, we had to wear, you know, like, white button-down, black pants, like, hair back. There were all these, like, rules. And we had to attend these like hospitality seminars at the Sophie Town place about yeah, well, just like like the experience you're creating for people. And I was like, fuck this. Yeah, and like fuck them. Like fuck the people that I'm serving. Like I'm nice to them. Yeah, they're lucky to get that. Right. And I like to put my own personal spin on things, not like abide by like make sure that I say all these things and hit all these points. You know? Yeah. Like it's like canvassing. It's like they want you to like say this speech. And like have it be the same every time. Yeah. I make also, sure you upsell them. It's like that, that's not natural. Like no. I'm gonna I'm gonna upsell them with my like personality and like honestness. Like honesty. Yeah. I'm just gonna be like honestly. Like you should get that. Don't get that. I'm not gonna like ex- mm-hmm. like just tell them the most expensive options the best. Right. When it's exactly. Not. Oh my god. Thanks so much. What? I love the way everything looks. This is great. Presentation is gorgeous. Should oh. we take pics? Yep. I don't know. I'm so glad we came. Me too. Those were some clips. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Don't you clips. feel like you were there? Don't you feel like it's the same as like tasting the cheddar biscuits? Don't yeah. you feel like you're Don't eating you feel, them? Ooh, yum. Ooh, I'm full. Mm, num, num, num. I'm so full. Oh, God damn it. They were so fucking good. So good. So after the fact, yeah. I decided to do some light research to find out like, seriously though, like why the F is this a black thing? Yep. And um, so... Um, I found this blog post on something called Madame Noir, which I've never heard of it. It's just like a web publication. It's like a magazine website, you know, blog, cool. whatever. Yeah, Madame Noir. It sounds like Suicide Girls for like a different <laughs> demographic or something. Yeah, a different demographic or just like black chicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I use coded language, like different and non-white. 
Yeah, uh, this is a... off-brand Suicide Girls. Yep. Um, the the blog post that I found was written by a guy named Stephen Barboza, and the title of it is Understanding Red Lobster's Popularity Among Black Diners. There's all kinds of stuff you can find on the internet about this. I found a lot of arguments in message boards, comment threads. It was really fun. I found a bunch of videos on this, but this was the most informative thing that I found. And... Um, It talked about how Red Lobster's success in general is based on good management and fine-tuned marketing campaigns like Lobster Fest promos, for example, and their focus on the guest experience. Um, A a spokesperson for Red Lobster, or actually for the the company, like the parent company that owns Red Lobster, Olive Garden, Ruby (gasps) Tuesdays, same family. Oh, no. I feel a little disillusioned, frankly. It makes sense. It makes sense, right? Unlimited breadsticks, unlimited cheddar biscuits. Like, it's all in the family. Is So, you know how there's, like, an Olive Garden, like, cooking school in Italy? Yes, do you exactly. Think, is there, do you think, like, a Red Lobster, like, I don't know, yes. fucking uh, lobster declawing, like, the seminar y- in Massachusetts? I don't know if it's in Massachusetts, but the, the chefs do have to have serious training on understanding seafood. Okay. And there and like one of the interesting things that I learned about was how the fish at Red Lobster, like their menu has like a really wide variety of ways that their fish their fish is prepared. Yes. And that is one of the ways that they their um like customer base is so broad. Cause like people want to talk about like, oh, it's such a black thing, but like a lot of people like Red Lobster. Everybody's talking about Red Lobster. And that's because when you guys sit down, when people go there, you can have that experience of like, I want to have all my, I want that Admiral's Feast, everything's deep fried, or I want a nice like clean grilled salmon. Like every, there's a little something for everybody. So that's why it's so popular in my opinion. Just in general. Um, and a spokesperson for, what's the company called? It's called Darden Restaurants. Darden. Darden Restaurants. Ooh, it's so sophisticated. Oh, yes. So sophisticated. The person said, my notes are so disorganized today. The person says, we nurture a relationship with all of our guests. So like, you not know, just the black yeah, ones. Not <laughs> just the black ones, LOL. Um, so something that the writer of this blog post points out is how eating at Red Lobster is the next best thing to going to a fish fry. Like that's such a fixture of the black experience. Like everybody goes to a fish fry. Like having some fried fish at like a cookout or like a family reunion, um, like a church gathering. It's also like a big campaign stop for politicians who kind of want to like wink, wink, like, hey, community. Shake some hands. Look at me. Get some photos. I'm in with black folks. Yeah. It's like that symbol. That symbol is such a real thing. So like Red Lobster kind of is that on like mass scale. And it's like nobody has to cook or clean up after. It's like do you guys want to just, like, go have that wonderful experience of, like, us having some fried fish? Yeah. Let's go. That's what it is. That's so interesting. But the fact that it's Red Lobster and not just, like, hey, come get your fish or, like, fish fry or, like, you know, it could be called. Yeah. It's, like, it elevates the lobster, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I mean, I never thought of that as, like, a fixture of, like, black 
communities or like yeah. black food life. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I, I think that that's really, really interesting branding. Like the way that it looks like we talked about this when we were there, like that craftsman style home, this yes. illusion that you're like seaside enjoying yes, white lobster. wooden like borders, whatever. So, so you can kind of like have that experience, mm-hmm. but you, but the food you actually eat is like, what's like, you know, fun and familiar to you. It's like delicious. Yeah. And you don't have to leave like Inglewood. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have to like be super pretentious about it and like right. have like a sweater tied around your shoulders. Right. And, like have your hair parted to the side and right. have your, you know, your, your Bradley. Right. <laughs> be named like Bradley or Corey. Exactly. <laughs> like you can just be yourself and like mm-hmm. have a good time. And I think that that's great. I mean, yeah. making lobster accessible. Exactly. To the masses. It's like not the best seafood, but to it, the masses. Am I right? Like Massachusetts. Oh, nice. Thank I you. like that. Thanks. Uh, so exactly. Um, there are. OK, OK. So something that I learned is that there was a study done um, where they asked, they surveyed like 21,675 people. And what they discovered was that on average, African-Americans eat twice as much more fried fish than white people. Hmm. So like when asked, like, how much do you want? Like, okay, African-Americans are 3.5 times, three and a half more times are three and a half times more likely than white Americans to eat two or more servings of fried fish per week. So when asked, you know, how, like how often do you go, like, would you choose off of a menu or whatever to have fried fish? How many times a week? Black people are just more likely to have it than white people. So um, Red Lobster has 30 fried or partially fried, like fried fish dishes on their menu. So, I mean, like, and it's a huge chain. Yeah. Of the ch- of the chains, like, what are you going to pick to have a fish fry? Like, there isn't anything better than Red Lobster. Right. It is the fish fry destination. I mean, let's talk about the Admiral Feast for a second, right? Oh, the Admiral's my Feast. God. It is, um, it looks like a freaking cornucopia of fried seafood, right? It's like everything is fried. There's like fried shrimp. Yep. Fried. Sole. Fried sole. Um, is there fried lobster? I think. Wait, wait, wait. How would you fry a lobster? I don't know, honestly. Would you have to remove the whole shell? I don't know. I seriously don't know. How do you fry a lobster? I don't know. I kind of think... Uh, it, I'm, right now I'm thinking about soft-shelled crabs and how those will be, like, dusted with cornmeal and, like, you know... Thrown in the deep fryer. I wonder if you can ever catch a lobster in, like, mid-molting season oh, and God. do that. This is really gross. <laughs> I think molting is disgusting, and um, maybe this isn't the time to talk about this. Um, we can put a pin in this, but I just want to say I don't really like lobster, and we can talk about that later. You're allowed to not like lobster. I know. But it's so, it's, it is so status-y that mm-hmm. it's like, oh, lobster. It, this is the pinnacle of, like, success. I'm, look at me. I'm eating, like, lobster. I've made it. I'm, like, relaxed. I, you know, I don't have to well, work anymore. And, like, it's, it, people, it's very aspirational, sort of. You could, you could aspire to order lobster and throw it in the garbage. <laughs> I don't even have to eat this. I will pay for it, though, because ah, I can afford yes. it. Lobster. A ditch. <laughs> I just tossed lobster over my shoulder. Into the nearest ditch. Into the nearest ditch. Yeah, I so this made sense to me. I don't know why I didn't think of it before. Um, I, I, and you even hear me on the recording saying, like, 
I don't need to know what fried fish tastes like. I have it all the time. Like I, I, I've had it. I know it. I'm not going to order it here. I'm going to order something different. So therefore I did Red Lobster wrong. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. But, but you did order lobster at Red Lobster. I did order lobster at Red Lobster. It was very tasty. Albeit in salad form. In salad form. And But that was one of the suggestions. I posted on Facebook before our trip. What should I order at Red Lobster? I didn't want to have a repeat of the Roscoe's trip <gasps> where afterward everyone told me I ordered wrong. And I'm glad that I asked because for one thing, people had a lot of opinions. And for another thing, that lobster, that red lobster menu, so many pages. Yeah. There was a lot to sit through. It was like Moby Dick. So I really appreciated walking in there, like armed with information, knowing what to get. By the way, I think that the you ordered wrong thing is kind of bullshit because it's like everything should be fucking on point. You know what I mean? There shouldn't be any like slacker dishes. You should go to a restaurant order whatever and have a fantastic experience. I agree. Or like if you didn't particularly like what you got, be able to say that was a good restaurant. I wouldn't order what I got again, but I liked the restaurant. If you leave a place and you're like, I didn't like it. You didn't order wrong. I don't think. Yeah. You could still know like, Oh, I, I didn't love what I got, but I will return. And you know what I mean? That's like how kind of how I felt about the Roscoe's thing. I was like, this was not good. Yeah. And everyone's like, you ordered wrong. And you're like, it's not me. Like, it wasn't even your first time going to no. Roscoe's. You went before, didn't like it, went back to reaffirm. Right. And I feelings. didn't like it again. Yeah. So I'm, how many times do you have to go back? I guess I'll just keep saying sorry, <laughs> being the woman that I am. I'm so sorry. I didn't like Roscoe's. I'm so I, sorry. It must have been me. must have been me. must have been my fault. Maybe I should keep trying again. <laughs> I loved Red Lobster, though. And I like one thing, like here's some phrases that I just like. Um, (laughs) Red Lobster is like the equivalent of paper plate affairs, quote unquote, and like working people's food. I like that. Like using using the Red Lobster relies heavily on these like, you know, fried fish dishes that whose recipes kind of like, you know, date back to slavery times. Like this is just the food that's been around like forever it can't you, it can't fail yeah it's so good it is but um, it's also a little more expensive than you might expect i agree like, and that's what gilly said when gilly emailed me that coupon gilly said um i really appreciated this gilly nissim sent me um an email that says i'm that person who has a red lobster coupon because it's not fancy but it's not cheap either have fun <laughs> it's true what they say about cheddar bay biscuits and they'll pack up six for you to take home for free if you ask and she attached a lovely Red Lobster coupon for me. Thank you, Gilly. Thank you. Um, that was awesome. Yeah. I guess this is the point where I confess that I didn't get this email until after we had gone. I'm so sorry. You paid You paid with your hard-earned money. Yeah, I did. But it was awesome. Like, um, I'm... Anything else about black people and Red Lobster? Um, well, one person wrote something. This is a separate article. They were talking about, like, how Red Lobster isn't doing so great economically. And they wrote this in, in 2014. I didn't investigate this further. I ran out of time. But <clears throat> they're talking about like how stuff like that is really bad for the black middle class. And here's why. Um, Red Lobster is like a community space. Like it's a place where a person, first of all, where a person can afford to take their family out to eat. But second of all, it's a place where like a a young person can get a job. If you know, like, you know, this is like a safe place for black people to like hang out and work. You know that you might do well there um, employment wise as like a young person growing up. And then, you know, if your family has to move, 
Um, you can, you know, find another red lobster, like the chain is so widespread. So that's another thing you can rely on. And red lobsters tend to be located near malls and stuff, meaning that it's near a bus stop, meaning that you don't necessarily have to have a vehicle of your own to get there. So there are all these things to consider for how red lobster does a lot to support the black community. And like their CEO doesn't like come right out, like saying that, um, his name is Clarence Otis Jr. And he's one of only five black CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. So that's a fun fact. Um, but, you know, they say things like, we welcome everyone. We're here for everybody. And they really are. But they do a lot to support black folks. And I really appreciate that. Um, but then again, I also want to say, like, when they say they support everyone, that includes black people. It shouldn't be such a big deal to be like, we're supporting black people. You know, I don't think that that should be so polarizing and isolating, like to be like, yeah, straight up, like we do like a, a brave state. That shouldn't be like a brave statement. Yeah, it's so weird. And I also think the question of why do black people hang out at Red Lobster so much is very, very similar to the question. Why do the black kids hang out with each other in the cafeteria? I mean, why do the white kids hang out with each other in the cafeteria? Uh, I feel like the real story here is that like white folks are everywhere and then black folks found a home at Red Lobster like, oh, yeah, we really like this food. And this is just like a fun thing that we have. It's almost like an inside joke at this point. Like we love Red Lobster mm-hmm. uh, in black and sorry. And white people aren't necessarily in on it just right away. Like this is just a place where black folks decided to congregate. And so it becomes like a noticeable thing to call out. But like people don't go, why do white people like Olive Garden so much? (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's the same thing. I think it's like a restaurant that people like. And it just so happens to be really in tune with like black tradition of like soul food and stuff. Right. And it's as simple as that. But but I think what's surprising is that, yeah, I didn't even consider like the soul food, soul food like aspect or component of that. I was thinking about how we talked about this when we were there, like lobster, um, even though I'm sure there are lobsters in the Pacific Ocean, right? Like there have to be. Like there's lobsters yeah. like that LA for can, sure. can like catch fresh, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you can eat fresh lobster in LA that comes mm-hmm. from the Pacific Ocean. But still there's something very Atlantic Ocean about red about like lobster and specifically like New England and yeah. like a certain like I don't know, like I think that the the whole look of red lobster like aesthetically the outside of it that you were describing is very like evocative Mm -hmm. of a certain like lifestyle and that's that is very like sort of classist and white yeah you know and that is very like specific to a region that doesn't have a lot of black people living there yeah that is super weird so it's like you're so right that is like noteworthy it's like that's that's unique yeah yeah it's like Yes. I mean, we talked about this when we were there. It's very like vineyard vines, like, uh-huh. you know, like coral shorts and like, you know, freaking uh, Sperry topsiders. Like that's a very like, I don't know, that's like not a very black space. So right. I was so I was just surprised that that it was like known in the black community for being like a, a hub. So, yeah, that's interesting. I feel like what we've answered then is the question of like why the menu speaks to black people. Mm-hmm. But that facade, that weird motif. Yeah. Like, why is Red Lobster pushing that so hard? Mm-hmm. That's weird. Because like L.A. has lobsters, too, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, and this Red Lobster thing like, OK, so I've seen Red Lobster on the East Coast. I've seen Red Lobster on the West Coast. 
I, uh, it must be so weird to see a red lobster in the middle of like Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> it must well, be then, so weird. Then you have to ask like, where is this fish coming from? Yeah. I mean, they, they've worked it's, it out. They've it's just like frozen. Yeah. Like they figured out how to transport the fish. Like they've, they've figured out the best way to get it from the coasts to the middle safely. And they love it. Um, yeah, I really would never have thought to go to Red Lobster because I grew up in Maryland. And I mean, there's so much fried fish everywhere. Yeah. Like, I would never think, oh, let me go to Red Lobster. No. No. No, you'd be Last like laughed at a town almost. Yeah, I might think, let me go to Red Lobster and get a burger. Do they have those there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I haven't had a burger in a while. Uh, but I just... They don't, by the way. They don't have burgers. They don't have burgers? Yeah. yeah. I They have never, almost everything else. I just never thought about it and and then like i guess it was formation it was that beyonce lyric that like got me thinking about the fact that it is totally a black thing and now i feel kind of stupid for overlooking it all this time <laughs> whoops hello learned up podcast <laughs> hello black people yeah. i am here mm. but you know what uh i had never been there either and it was great i wish that there were one a little bit closer but it was great. It was a nice field trip. Oh, last thing before I pass it over to you, I looked up um, how hilarious Red Lobster responded to the formation lyric. Do you know about this? Oh, no. Tell me. Oh, my God. So um, the lyric is, when he fuck me good, I take his ass to Red Lobster. That's the line. Mm-hmm. And it's like bleeped or whatever. But, like, that's, like, a really, like, racy line. And it's awesome. It's, like, so funny and so true. John Legend reacted. He posted a tweet that was, when you realize your dad took your mom to Red Lobster every week. And it's this, like, uh, Barack Obama, like, thinking reaction. Like, hmm, that's something. And then, you know, everybody was having a good time reacting to it. And then Red Lobster releases this photo of their cheddar biscuits and the tweet Cheddar Bay Biscuits has a nice ring to it, don't you think? Hashtag formation at Beyonce. And everyone reacts like... Bay Biscuits, like B-E-Y. Yes, but, oh God. And everyone reacts like, y'all had hours and this is what y'all came <laughs> up with? And like, these are the reaction gifts. Like, what? <laughs> it's so funny. And they're like, we were hoping Red Lobster wouldn't disappoint us, but dot, dot, dot. And then Red Lobster responds... You try to bake Cheddar Bay Biscuits and tweet at the same time. Hashtag harder than it looks. Hashtag formation. And people are like, please stop. You're horrible. And, and Red Lobster responds, our bad. We're really busy for some reason. Hashtag thanks B. Hashtag crown emoji B emoji. It's just like, shut up, well, what Red Lobster. What did you Lobster. want them to do? Be funnier. <laughs> They're just Red Lobster. Ah, it's they, so They were awkward. forced into this social media space that's not natural for them. They're just humble fish purveyors, you Lorraine. Know what? You're right, though, because if Beyonce like put some lyric out there that had anything to do with me specifically, I would just... You would shit your pants and die. I would be like petrified like... You Voldemort you looks at you full, or like, whatever. 48 to 72 hours to respond. Wait, what is it? The basilisk looks at you and then you get petrified? That's what it would be. What is that? I don't know. It's a Harry Potter thing. Okay. Did they say it right? Thank you, Alexis. Um. Anyway, that's my last little tidbit. Well, that was delightful. Thanks. Thanks for taking me. Kosher seafood laws. Um... Lobster, not kosher. Mm-mm. Not kosher for Passover, not kosher anytime. Seafood. Uh, the Torah says 
Anything with fins and scales is okay to eat. Okay. So anything, so like according to the Talmud, which is like the uh, sort of like that's the law, law book of the oh, Torah. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's like the yeah the Jewish all the Jewish laws. According to the Talmud, anything with scales also has fins. So like if you see something with scales, like it's probably okay to eat. It's probably kosher to eat. I don't know. I don't know if this is true, but but like lizards, for example, they don't have. <laughs> Sorry, specifically shellfish. Okay, not, okay. not like all of God's creatures. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, right. Like dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> kosher. Um, all okay. So no shellfish then, because shellfish uh, have neither fins nor scales. Typically, okay. not kosher. So. Then it gets into like weird sort of like nitty gritty stuff where it gets a little debatable. Like the scales apparently have to be visible to the naked eye and easily removable. Okay. If you have to place a fish in any type of like water in order to remove the scales or anything, it's not kosher. Like sturgeon, apparently you have to like put it in like a vat of or like a pot of boiling water to like peel the scales off. It doesn't just like come off naturally. So sturgeon is not kosher. Okay. I think that's super random. There's no explanation for that. <laughs> I scoured the internet, guys. Um, from okay, from Chabad.org, which is like a great source for all types of Jewish learning. If a young fish belongs to a species which develops scales when they mature, it is kosher, even if it has not yet developed scales. So, like, if it starts out scale-free, scaleless, and then develops scales later in life, it is considered kosher, and we can eat it. That's good to know. Conversely, if a type of fish has scales when it is young, but not when it gets older, <gasps> there are differing views as to whether it is or is not kosher, but the prevailing view is that it is not. A wow. swordfish is one such fish. It's like all, got all these scales when it's young. It's like running around with its fine scales, and then, and then no scales as a grown-up. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, swordfish is not kosher. Here's a list of non-kosher fish. Uh, catfish, no scales. Okay. Eels, no fins. Freshwater mm. cod, question mark. Don't know why it's not kosher, but it is on the list. Freshwater not- cod? Yeah. Not kosher? Not kosher. Shark, no scales. Lots of fins, though. True. Swordfish, I already said that. Scales when it's young, but not when it matures. And then sturgeon, yes. Scales are really hard to remove. Anyway, um, there's like a lot of debate about whether there's any sort of rationale or logic behind these like seafood kosher laws. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like the Talmud like doesn't really give any real reason. Like God just, God just said, said, like, yeah. don't eat this. And That's we were like, I've okay. Heard too, is like, God just said, like, why yeah. even question it? God like, just said. Some people think that it's like a cleanliness thing, like certain right. shellfish Thing, like creatures, certain members of the shellfish community are like bottom feeders, mm-hmm. so they're like gross, um, you know, and that like fish that swim near the top of the water are cleaner, but that's just a bunch of baloney. There's really no science to back that up. Um, and then some people think that it's just like an aversion to like things that are ugly or weird looking. Like mm. we shouldn't eat that lobster because it, it looks like a bug. It looks like a bug monster. Yeah. Um. So that's it. That's um, interesting. But yeah, I've heard that too about like, uh, bottom dwellers and like scavengers, like pork, for example, like mm-hmm. pigs, they eat garbage. Yeah. Lobsters and crabs eat garbage. Well, literally, I think in the Torah, it talks about the mammals that you can and can't eat according to kosher law. And the rule with mammals is that they have to have cloven hooves oh. and chew their cud. It's like this weird, like it has to do both, oh, like okay. with both fish and mammals. It's like if it just does one, but not the other, 
you can't eat it. Now, so I, like pigs, for example, they have cloven hooves, but they don't chew their cud. Okay. I don't really know what that means. I don't either, but I, I, I kind of could infer. <laughs> what, but what does it mean that they don't chew their cud? Like they like just inhale it and they yeah, don't chew they it. They like, they're like, <laughs> they like, they like, <laughs> they like, <laughs> down. Yeah, it's yeah, like, like they're chugging a bottle of Franzia. Yeah. It's kind of like they choke it down. <laughs> It's like, it's like, take some time. <laughs> Chew your food. <laughs> like, we only feed them, like, pre-chewed cud. We, like, give them the oh, yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. that's been picked through, and so they don't even need to chew it. Because <laughs> we know that they're, yeah, they're they're fast eaters. They, yeah, they, they just can't stop. But, uh, okay, I have a question, kind of. Uh-huh. Thinking about these fish that are kosher and not kosher, I wonder if there's any debate about, like, overfishing problems so like if let's say tuna for example mm-hmm. tuna is kosher right yes correct but you know there's a lot of fish that gets caught when tuna gets caught right and we're not eating it or anything but it gets like killed and then thrown back like is that a problem i don't know i i god's the one that made the rules so we can't really chit chat with him about it today but i mean I, lorraine i hate to break it to you but it was a bunch of old jewish men sitting around a wooden table who made what? these rules yeah it wasn't but, but it was just it was just humans just like me and you don't don't tell me that okay i'm sorry don't don't listeners i apologize for my co-host she's just trying to like drop bombs and rock the boat okay it's this is a this is just supposed to be like a cool relaxed program <laughs> don't 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 do that i remember in, in pre-kindergarten i was like four years old telling a non-jewish classmate that there was no santa claus i did that to them like i took it upon myself being the fucking just like know it all how does it feel sarah how does it feel that your your face during that news is burned into their memory i mean it feels bad i i'm embarrassed it's like why did i think that was my job to do that i don't know it's just you had this information and you were like i'm so excited to share i feel better knowing it i'm gonna help them know it too that's very nice that's a very nice spin on i don't know it's just a shitty thing to do to another person i mean yeah (laughs) anyway (laughs) bloop 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 kosher laws so that was cool Uh, all right, oh, Sarah. Uh, uh, c- could you please check your watch and uh, confirm what time it is? Uh, let me check my watch. Beep, 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 beep. It appears to be trivia time. Oh, it's trivia time. Hey, guys. It's trivia time. Um, <laughs> trivia time has started now. Um, Barbara Streisand, remember her from the previous podcast episode? Who are you talking about? That funny girl? Aw, that yentl. Um, <laughs> Barbara Streisand has tinnitus. Did you know that? Did you know? Do you know what tinnitus is? I mm, I know people complain about it. It's a ringing in your ears Ooh. that never stops. Oh, right. Yeah, I know sometimes about this. It's, it's like a high-pitched, like, droning. I think my dad actually has it. My friend Mike it. has it because yeah. he, he is, like, a really, like, in the music scene, like, noise band guy. He's been next to too many noisy speakers, and oh, now boy. he has tinnitus. Yeah, it's really rough. So... Uh, Babs, since age like eight or nine, has had a really loud ringing in her ear. Um, they actually mentioned this. I learned this bit of trivia in the movie Baby Driver, which I saw oh, last night, okay. which I thought was pretty bad. Oh, no. Um, yeah. There, I mean, we don't have to talk about this now. No good female characters. Would have been better with Barbara Streisand. Mm. Why won't someone put 
Barbara Streisand in a car heist movie. Wait. Guilt trip. Oh, shit. <laughs> Are there any, like, like getaways scenes in that? Are there any, like, high stakes, like, jobs she's a part of? She's, I didn't see it. But I didn't either. It sounds I can like a imagine, funny setup. I can imagine that, yeah, there was, like, a crazy set piece where she had to, like, get away. Like, come on, mom, step on the gas. <laughs> but, yeah, whether or not she, there were, I agree with you that they should have Barbara Streisand in car heist movies. Yeah. That's it. What about you? Um, okay. Maybe everybody else knows this, but I forget it sometimes and always need to be reminded. Arthur Ashe was the first African-American to win the U.S. Open. <gasps> Isn't that good? That is so great. What, what year did he do that in? Why are you quizzing me? I'm sorry. That right. wasn't the trivia you decided to share. What year did Arthur... Ash win. Play along, listeners, if you know it. Get learned up in real time. <laughs> the U.S. Open. Google. All right, listeners. If you said 1968, <gasps> you'd be right. Ding, 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 ding. Ash rose from segregation and racial roadblocks to become the first African-American male to win the U.S. Open 1968. Australian Open 1970 and Wimbledon 1975. Wow. Get learned up. And on a sadder note, did you hear that awful news about Venus Williams' car crash? Wait, what? Oh my gosh. This is devastating. I haven't looked up all the information about it yet, uh, but someone... Breaking news, trivia time. Someone actually died. <gasps> uh, she... God, this is so horrible. So... She's, she's, you know, spoken out and made a statement apologizing, you know, profusely for this total mistake. But she was driving near a Florida country club and she, I think that she was like waiting to turn left in an intersection and like something went wrong. Like someone crashed into her and she crashed into another car and it was apparently her fault. Like the police point the blame at her and they say that she is to blame for, I think it was a... Let's see what age the person was. It was an older person who was just in a car that got hit and he died. Shit. Like, I think he went to the hospital and died maybe a day or two or three later. And she's she feels horrible about it. Like, I can't imagine being in that position. Um, 78-year-old Jerome Barson, he died two weeks later after the car crash. Oh, man. And she's like. So she had told investigators she had entered the six-lane intersection on a green light but had been forced to stop midpoint by traffic ahead of her. She said she did not see the Barsons' car when she crossed into their lanes. So she's just really sorry. It's so fucking sad. Ugh. Does she have any consequences? TMZ was the first to report this crash. Fuck you, TMZ. Anyway, sorry, what was the question? Do they, does she have to like pay a fine or like go to some type of, Oh, that's a great, do any type of service? That's a great question. Um, Williams attorney, Malcolm Cunningham issued a statement. This is, she had an unfortunate accident, expressed her deepest condolences to the family who lost a loved one. Uh, no, it doesn't say anything about that, but more to come. Okay. Ugh. Venus, we love you. So sorry. Yikes. So sad. Trivia time. <laughs> it's a, trivia it's time. Trivia time. Hey, 
it's Sarah from the podcast. Are you a Jewish woman who thinks a bunch of famous anti-Semites are crazy hot and can get it? <laughs> I feel your pain. Lorraine, don't laugh. This is real. Young Mel Gibson, like Mad Max Mel Gibson, Hamlet Mel Gibson. Are you serious? Like, damn, girl. Don't even get me started on Charles Lindbergh. Like, look at that windswept Aryan ass hair and that fucking chin divot looking like a goddamn penny loafer. Want to put a little penny in that chin? Okay, Sarah, so let's say you're one of these wonderful young Jewesses who has this preference. Well, let me what tell you. What do they need to know? Look, it's not super healthy to be obsessing over dudes who literally want to murder your people, obvs, but now there's something that can help. Let My People Come is a dating <laughs> app that matches you exclusively with Jewish doppelgangers of famous bigots. Their catalog is extensive, guys, guaranteeing that you will find someone who is A, uh, appropriate and your family will approve of, and B, won't start denying the Holocaust when you're picking out bookshelves at Ikea. Uh, so whether you're a Roald doll kind of gal or more of a Henry Ford broad, that's a near rhyme. Let My People Come has the Jew for you. And by the way, it's Let My People, P-P-L, and then come, C-U-M. Find it in the app store today. Pew, pew. Sarah, you're doing God's work. That was a weird episode. That was a, such a weird episode. Thank you so much for sticking around. And thank you, Red Lobster, for introducing two freaking noobs to, like, just a world of pleasure and delight. Yes. Thank you for perking up my lips, filling them up with salt. <laughs> and possibly MSG. Oh, absolutely MSG. Had to have been in there. Hashtag oh, no regrets. Hashtag ba- What was their hashtag? Hashtag Bay Biscuits has a nice ring to it. Don't you think? Aw. Gross. They're cute. It's so hard making cheddar bay biscuits while tweeting. Oh, man, I miss those biscuits. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. We got that coupon. We're going back, Lorraine. Let's go back. Okay, let's go back right now. Okay, bye, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. We need more subscribers. We'd love some reviews. Tell us how we're doing. We Mm -hmm. love compliments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, check out the other podcasts on What's a Creative. Mm -hmm. Um, An amazing podcast network that we love hugging and smooching. (laughs) And thank you so much to our podcast producer, Alexis B. Preston. Thanks, girl. And thanks, Adam Isaacson, for our theme music. Okay, bye guys. Have a nice day. Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. Network.